I was waiting for him. The Hypnotoad has arrived. The TCU Horn Frogs, Bowden Blake's team, have advanced to the national championship to face the Georgia Bulldogs. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. Welcome to the weekend spread. With me today, as always, we've got Jameson Maxwell, Ty Lee, and the captain triumphantly sailing home on the seas uh, from Arizona. Okay, that didn't really work. But, Bowden Blake. Um, and, look, I, we are going to d- dive deep into the Fiesta Bowl. We're going to dive not as deep into the Beach Bowl. We're going to dive uh, deep into the national title. Um, but, Blake, it, it would be foolish to give anybody else but you the first words on this. How you feeling? What a moment. Yeah, uh, what a moment. Uh, One that I never expected myself ever to experience, and I know we're going to go into it later, but my initial reaction whenever we had the final kneel uh, that sealed the deal, I blacked out. I dropped to my knees, and now I have a giant bruise the size of a softball on the inside of my thigh from landing on the cup holder (laughs) in front of me and banged up my hip, so I'm hobbling everywhere, but I was in tears. Like, I bawled like a baby whenever it happened because I could not believe what I just witnessed. It was the most stunning, shocking thing ever in my entire life. I just, the emotions, I could not believe it. And I, they say, like the fans, their hearts aren't as in it as much, but I feel like one of the players after that, how banged up I am. But I'm recovering <laughs> and I'm ready for LA. <laughs> Blake took it. Blake took a cup holder in the knee for the frogs. What? What are you, nobody else has that same dedication. I love it. How um, many tears were actually shed, Blake? Like, do we have any? Like, act, like, did Sarah take any videos of this? Do I need? I need to Sarah see this. might have had. I know she has some photos. I need to see if she has a video because it was it was te- like t- full blown tears. Like my face was wet. Like I like could not. <laughs> like the guy next to me had to like help me up and like hug me. Like it was <laughs> it was that intense. And of course, I'm in the middle of the Michigan section. So if they would have panned the camera up to like the heavens where I was sitting, you would just see this like lone TCU fan there <laughs> just like bawling his eyes out. Wow. Somebody next to me takes a video and this random guy in a cowboy hat that I did not know just hugging me. It was it was a magical moment, one I will never forget. That's... Never learned the guy's name either, but we just we embraced, we hugged for a long time. Very magical. That's incredible. It's like the patron saint of Ty or something, you know. A fellow a fellow cowboy hat enthusiast. Uh so t- t- okay, let's um, we're kind of fr- completely free flowing on this one. There's like zero structure, so we're just gonna talk just about a bunch of game. boys hanging around talking some football right now. A bunch of guys being dudes. I have a horny toad. Right? I have. I got myself a no free ad. Uh, a horny toad. Uh, but we're just guys being dudes talking some football. Um, so for we'll people on the podcast, to- that's um, that's a beer that he's drinking. He's talking about the coop horny toad. Oh, yeah, obviously, no. I think there needed some context there. <laughs> no, Bobby's drinking not- an endangered species that's like, protected by the government. <laughs> Blended frog. <laughs> Ugh, gross. Okay, so let's get, let's go ahead. We're, we have plenty of time to talk about TCU, the triumphs. Let's we'll get into that in a moment. But let's um, let's move to the later game. The Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl between Ohio State and Georgia, an absolute classic, uh, ending with um, probably one of the worst uh, field goal attempts you'll ever see uh, from Ohio State. A very valiant effort. Um, 
But uh, Ty, I'll, I'll get I'll have you start on this. Were you surprised with how Ohio State uh, played Georgia here? Uh, I was. I think I was pleasantly surprised uh, with Ohio State. I think they kind of shocked me. I think a lot of people put a lot of weight into that Michigan game. I, I think partially because there's all sorts of of those biases. You know, Georgia is the defending team. They're also the SEC team, so everyone assumes that they're just going to be the dominant ones. And then Ohio State was a bit of a question mark going through the season and then dropped their game against their one real big opponent. So I think it was surprising to see Ohio State's performance. Is that indicative of Ohio State just playing really well, even though they lost on on what is, I would say, a, a freak play? Or is that, was Georgia down or did we truly see the best of both teams? And I think if, if I'm sitting in Blake's seat, certainly I'm hoping that what we saw in this Peach Bowl game was the best of both teams because that would indicate that this Georgia team is in fact beatable by this TCU team. Uh, if we do a little bit of a little bit of transitive properties, but I think these games are recent enough that that's maybe not that bad of a comparison saying, Hey, we beat a team who just beat you also in a championship game. Maybe the strongest transitive uh, comparison you can make. Yeah. I mean, I think from the TCU standpoint, looking at the way Georgia played in this game, like, okay, they're not, unstoppable that Missouri game was pretty much the only time the whole season they looked somewhat beatable and everything else was just you know they just blew by all their competition um Ohio State put up a fight but let me tell you something it was because CJ Stroud had a really good game and their wide receivers Emeka Ibuka and Marvin Harrison whenever he was healthy just lit him up and to be completely honest with you that's kind of how you can beat Georgia. You have a great passing attack to where you don't let their big athletes get to the quarterback and stop the run and control the game. Max Duggan needs to throw the ball better than the way he did in the semis. Yes, TCU won. They had a lot of big plays, but he missed a lot of balls. I don't know about you, Blake, but I, I feel like he had some accuracy issues. And this is, you know, TCU could have ran away with it. And there were a lot of balls and a lot of drives that got stopped because I think Max Duggan's accuracy was a little bit lacking. Yeah, like, if you go to that, it's like, Max, like, the tape was out on the K-State game that if you blitz and put a lot of pressure on Max, it's really hard, like, like any other quarterback, for him to escape, him to make accurate throws, especially when on the move, but you also look to it, TCU game planned very well whenever they saw the blitz was coming because they started doing those max run back 10 yards, do the crossing screen across the field, got two touchdowns off that same play. So there are risks. It opened up DiMarcado to start in the running game a little bit more. And yes, like Georgia, I think is going to present a lot of challenges with that defense just from a pure talent standpoint. But it is, it is, the good thing is it's, I'm very fortunate that this is not the Georgia team from last year. We saw their secondary really get shredded, and I just don't think the SEC was good enough this year to test this Georgia secondary, but against a competent quarter quarterback and some good wide receivers in Ohio State, C.J. Stroud was ripping them apart. So I think although they could probably do a good job, linebackers, pass rush, all that stuff, stopping the run, they're going to be vulnerable over the top more than a Georgia team that we've seen the past few years. Yeah, no, absolutely. They definitely showed weaknesses to me. Um, but I, I, I got to say this about Ohio State um, before we talk a little bit more about Jordan and everything. I'm, I was ripping Ryan Day basically from the moment the Michigan game ended. I thought that th this team had no toughness, no heart. 
and I thought they were going to get completely dominated by Georgia. And I got to give props to Day. Got to give props to Stroud. They came out and had an excellent uh, game plan. Got Georgia out from the jump. Um, that last little rally at the end, though, you know, look, Stetson Bennett. I think it's time we start talking about him as just one of those guys, you know, one of those absolute just just gamers in big games. He goes in and he gets you wins. Um, and sometimes it's just it's just too much. But Ohio State, you know, I gotta give them a lot of credit. That was a really big time performance when they really needed it, even though they didn't get the win. And what's so shocking is CJ Stroud. I like had his best game of his career and one that I did not expect because my knock on CJ Stroud, like he has all the physical tools, he has all the weapons around him, but he just seems very timid as a quarterback that really he's a one read guy. Like he only has to make one or two reads in that Ohio State offense. And if not, he could run. But I saw him actually go away from that get a little bit more, a few more reads, really step up in the pocket and actually run the ball, not being too timid uh, to get hurt. He felt like his life was on the line in this game and played like it. And he just played such a better game when he was doing that versus a really good defense in Georgia. Like he needs to, when you're talking about him going to the next level, he needs to play with a little bit more heart. And we finally saw it, I feel like for the first time in his Ohio State career, because that's always been my knock against him. I felt like he was a timid passer, really just uh, utilized that Ohio State off offensive system, which is great, and those good weapons around him. But I think Georgia forced him to make decisions, and he really rose to the occasion. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah just, I, I, I mean, I, I think I think Ohio State really, like you said, they came out and they did what they they have to do to win a football game, and it's absolutely dominating the offensive side of the ball. Defense side, the ball was still lacking. And obviously that's when you talk about toughness and you talk about, you know, getting on Ryan Day, it's just their defense just doesn't have a lot of that toughness in them. And they have some big name players, you know, um, but it seems like they just weren't like the Ohio State defense of the past. So I'm really curious to see how Ohio State's going to bounce back next season. You know, obviously they're going to have the front, like the front runner for a Belindikoff, but a brand new quarterback in that room and you got plenty of good wide receivers around for that brand new um, quarterback. So it's going to be an interesting year for sure. And so isn't JT and Tui Maloa a sophomore too. And so they've got a lot of pieces, a lot of big names that, you know, draft guys will be talking about, but can they come out and actually have a team or is it just going to be a bunch of five stars again, like this season that can go out and make plays, but aren't doing it in the end. Yeah, and I, I think that's that is the big question is bringing it together, and you know I, I I'm not going to fault them too much. This is a very good Georgia team. You know it 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 it's hard to beat them, especially in the dome. You know it's it just it, it was it was yeah. a lot. Yeah, but it's sure. like their offense played like Ohio State offense played to their peak. Is the thing they like absolutely killed it, absolutely killed it. The thing is, just their defense just didn't have it to do one little thing to stop Georgia. Georgia's offense is going to falter every once in a while, but obviously they have some really big playmakers. Um, but there was just too many points, honestly. And Ohio State didn't have as much firepower uh, on their offense side, even though they did everything they could to bail out a couple runs of their defense. Absolutely. Absolutely. I It, it cannot be... Because this game, to me, I, we've well established on this podcast. Any any longtime listener knows I am the the casual fan here. So this game to me was just so we have to touch on the 
the vibes, as the kids would say nowadays. I mean, you got to rewind the clock just so we remember what was going on here. I mean, Georgia defending champs. They were the expectant to win the game pretty decently. They're down. They're struggling. It's in Atlanta. And Ohio State is lined up to kick a game-winning field goal as it turns New Year's in Atlanta. Like, it was – it could not be more – you know, I, I don't know if Georgia has their own Sooner Magic. I well, I know they have it because we just saw it. But I, I'm trying to imagine because we just touched on and we'll get back into it. Uh, the TCU fan experience, and I know Georgia is the defending national champs. It's oh, you know, like this game, it, they have a lot going for them. But I just cannot imagine being a diehard Georgia fan in that moment in seeing that field goal because you knew you just knew you were going to lose. There, you knew it was going to be a squib kick. Time was going to run out. There was nothing you could do about it as the clock strikes midnight. And it's just that that bulldog magic, that, you know, big fan that that it, the city of Atlanta put in the stadium to blow field goals away <laughs> if the Falcons or the, the Bulldogs are going to lose or something. Or maybe ESPN put it there so that the SEC team always wins. Don't get Blake going on that one. But <laughs> we got to, because I feel like the conversation sort of winding down on this game. And obviously we're doing it a bit of a disservice if anyone is a fan of these two teams and they're listening, absolutely. But we just had to, <laughs> just had to touch casual. on. Yeah. Yeah. But there's just the vibes of that. Like that is an all time classic of a game. It's just absolute crushing blow to Ohio state. Certainly. I don't really know that this was their year either way. Not trying to, uh, to kick them while they're down. Ooh, kick them. That was a, that was a double insult there, but yeah, it's just the vibes of this game. We're, we're so immaculate. That's what college football is, is all about. I mean, Oh my God, the vibes are incredible. And you know, it's one of those excellent uniform matchups, you know, I was saying Georgia, they just look good together on the field. And I got to say that was just too many stripes, too many stripes, too many stripes. I can't do both teams have a central stripe (laughs) on the helmet. Even if they're completely different, it's just, not and then they have the the side stripes on oh, no, too many too many stripes. Is this like too the first stripes. world problems version of college football? Maybe a bit too many stripes. No, but I'll, I'll say this: it was just um, it was just a great great game. Uh, just mm-hmm. perfect college football. I, I'm totally with you, and I, I'm sure there are so many Atlanta slash Georgia fans who have experienced so much heartbreak. They're like, oh god, it's back again. Um, you know, when they teed up for that. But just just such a cool moment. Blake, did you get they, to see they, any they of scored our- seven they scored 17 points on their last three drives. So it really wasn't like an Atlanta Falcons choke. It was an absolutely great comeback they ended up working out working out yeah. for them in the end. Yeah, but yeah, true. But Atlanta Atlanta uh sports have, have its way of finding new different ways to be torturous and sad. <laughs> But Blake, did you yeah. even get to see any of this? Really, I got to see. So I got to see like, the fourth quarter. So I didn't understand like really how bad Georgia was down. I kind of like was watching when Georgia was doing the comeback. So it, it it took. I saw like the highlights and stuff like that. But yeah, I was not paying attention to this game all too much. I, I don't blame you. I would be. I'd be buzzing. I'd be vibing. The fans, the tradition, the glory. There's nothing more thrilling than college football, and it all comes down to the national championship game happening on Monday. And as you know, my go-to for betting is DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Look, the Natty is going to be 
epic. You have the underdog story in TCU versus Goliath, the defending champion Georgia Bulldogs. How could you script it even better? This one is a must-watch, must-bet. I'm excited. And look, DraftKings Sportsbook is here for you because right now new customers can bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. That's right. That means you can back your frogs without fear of them getting blown out. Plus, everyone can combine multiple bets for for a bigger payout with DraftKings Same Game Parlays. It is just truly the smoothest way to do it. Super fun, super exciting. Who, lo- who doesn't love a good parlay? Uh, the app works great. You'll you'll love it. So look, go go ahead, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN and new customers bet just five dollars on college football and get two hundred dollars in free bets instantly. That's code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. Now back to the national championship preview. Let's move on to our. Uh, to the real game, the one we're really here to talk about, the Fiesta Bowl, TCU, and Michigan, another classic. By the way, best semifinal round ever, easy, uh, I would say. Um, the easiest, that's the easiest statement ever. <laughs> yeah, both games, absolute bangers, absolute classics. Um, so, yeah, let's let's get it, Blake. Vibes entering the stadium. Uh, how, <laughs> what was your heart rate like? What was it like? Yeah, so while we were tailgating out of the parking lot, uh, me and so, uh, some of my friends, a few words were said, but it was relatively quiet for a usual tailgate. We watched the end of the Texas Tech uh, TCU basketball game, watched the Frogs get a victory over to Cactus Gang once again, just like we always do. Uh, Texas Tech is definitely going to talk about how there are more Tech fans there. That is true. There was definitely more Tech fans there, but they will forget that we were all in Glendale, but... Honestly, outside the stadium, I thought TCU could fill this thing 75-25. Like, I, there were so many more TCU tailgaters than Michigan. I don't know if it's the proximity uh, to the stadium. I guess Texas being like a 15-hour drive, 30% of our students are from California, so a lot of Southern California kids, five, six-hour drive, not too bad, uh, versus Michigan just being across the country, but TCU came out in full force, and we really represented. I know in Scottsdale, they said it was basically all purple. No Michigan people were there. I was staying downtown. Saw a few Michigan people in our hotel, but besides that, didn't really see many till I actually got into the game. And it was split about 50-50. Like, it was uh, even a more impressive showing than, like, the famous picture of us in the Rose Bowl where they have the flyover and you could see, like, the half purple, half red of Wisconsin. It was honestly a way better showing than that. And I thought the crowd energy was electric. Y'all were right for uh, those types of games. It just feels different once you get there. It's the nerves you think... You think you would just be happy to be there, especially a team like TCU who's kind of smaller, first time. Nope, you're immediately locked in. You're not even thinking about the chance of like, oh, this is just a great season. We wanted to win that game. And then when it came off to such a hot start, that was it, – it was – it was hard to deal with because on one hand, you're like, oh my god, this could really happen. But on the other hand, the guy next to me, my cowboy hat friend, 
we get up like 14 0. He's like, It's over. It's over. We killed him. I'm like, oh, shut no. Up. I would have hated like, that. Shut up. I was like, Shut up. And I was like, Literally the entire time, just at war with this guy, being like, It's over. Even when Michigan's coming to storm back, that's all he's saying. He's saying this all to the Michigan fans, like, Y'all are done. You're finished. And I'm like, Shut up. How did you get put up, into the Michigan section if you bought him through TCU? Yeah, no, hey, so like, I did. I. I heard that TCU didn't even sell all their tickets. Darren Rovell, Darren Rovell's like, they didn't sell all their tickets before the ticket allocation deadline on December 5th. I'm like, that is the most arbitrary deadline. Like, people haven't even thought about the like their travel plans to get to the national championship Like at that point. It's the most ridiculous thing, but... So the ticket allocations are higher for the national championship than they are the playoff games. So I was towards like the back of the season ticket holder line. So a lot of the season ticket holders did not get tickets. So I had to use like some Fiesta Bowl trustees code on SeatGeek to like backdoor me into like unlocking these special tickets that you could only see when you type in a code. And it's all in the Michigan section. So you could tell who used the code because you would see just sprinkled around the four hundreds little pockets of purple that were like desperate to get tickets which i should have waited when southwest canceled all the flights and like people were having a fire sale like i could have gotten ones of the 100s for like maybe a little bit more expensive than what i paid at the 400s but i guess you can't predict a weird like it's not even weather it's like a weird logistical shutdown by one of the more reliable airlines (laughs) i catch myself all the time with buying tickets and trying to get, get them at the cheapest point possible you guys know me i'm horrible about that and honestly, you just can't do it. Just get the tickets whenever you need yep. them. And if they are less for, you know, less tickets whenever uh, you're going for them later, good good for you. Um, but don't damn yourself. It's just like yeah. selling stocks. The key is just was, not to look. Yeah, that was my problem. I looked. I looked and it like made me, it was just like, oh, like, oh, that really hurt. And yeah, but I had all the hotels, the flights, like really the hard things that like people just didn't have and were having to like drive to phoenix just because the flights were so limited uh so i had all that so i just had to pull the trigger get my my tickets in the clouds and just enjoy the game from the eagle's nest incredible um i gotta say so a big theme of this game kind of you know that that kind of unraveled afterwards to me i think it was a lot of like arrogance uh, on the Michigan side, both from like their fan base and as we saw from the players, uh, you know, one of their linebackers not knowing, Junior if, Colson. yeah, Junior Colson not knowing if uh, TC was in the Big Twelve. He didn't know. He didn't know what conference they were in. Which, uh, wow, what a di- that's what happens when you disrespect. I just field. don't know if that's arrogance. Everyone's saying that's arrogance. I think that's just pure unintelligence, is what it is, because everyone who pays attention to football knows who's in what conference. Like, I, I don't think that's like, a, I'm just so much discounting TCU that I don't know their conference. I think he just doesn't pay attention to college football that much. But still, it's like, he doesn't care enough to know what conference is the team he's playing is, is in. That's, it's not like a, like a pop quiz. Like, Oh, I wouldn't know what conference, you know, uh, UNLV is, is in, you know, like this is a team they've been pr- supposedly preparing for, for weeks. Yeah, and it, you kind of felt that vibe, like, I think from both the fan base and the players, like, 
the other big quote coming out of the preseason media days was J.J. McCarthy going up there saying, if they run the 3-3-5 against us like they have all season, we're going to shred them, which was just embarrassingly bad when you throw two horrendous pick sixes, which kind of can decided the game for you and then Absolutely. also the the super cringy uh quote that uh we heard and we'll probably get to this later about jj mccarthy and his family but him going over to his family during the middle oh. of the game and saying we're gonna win this like don't worry we got this like not like in the like getting your team pumped up way but it is weird to like go over to your parents during the game and like still feel that confident after you've put your team in such a bad hole from your play so you could tell like you could just tell i think they were just especially how they started the game, they did not expect us to come firing out of the gates, mm -hmm. especially on the defensive end, that we were just throwing things at them that they had never seen. I thought Joe Gillespie called really the perfect game because we've talked about on the weekend spread like all year long. It's like our defense is not meant to, is not a defense to stop getting points on the board. It's more of a down-to-down -down defense that in critical downs, being able to scheme something up to say, take, seven points to three points or get a good turnover on downs that can really change the game and give the ball back to our offense. And he did that fantastically. Like they did not know where our linebackers were coming from. They, we were creating motion. We were like, they were just had gaps open that we had one guy with four sacks, like that we never really had pressure on the passer all year long. But I just think that kind of goes to the point. Like, their fan base then doubted us. Like, their fan base just felt like their energy was just, oh, like, we're kind of here. Like, we're not going to waste all of our money on this game. Like, we got a national championship to go play for in a week. And those those vibes were just everywhere. But they were stunned. The Michigan people around me, super nice, but just absolutely stunned by the performance that they gave. I didn't think we were going to be talking about J.J. McCarthy's family and how close he is with his pops. Okay, um, okay, let's but... just go. In. <laughs> let's okay, we can go in, in on this now because like I rewatched the game several times, uh, DVR'd it, and I thought like I had recorded the wrong stream because all we saw was the JJ McCarthy reaction like stream of his family. It's <laughs> JJ McCarthy and his family both. That's all they would show the entire game. Anytime he would do something good, anytime something would go well for Michigan, they were always showing his family, and you would think like you. Would would think max duggan was harry potter like family lists <laughs> because of how like dude like could they not put a camera on like max duggan these the runner up in the heisman race their parents so proud his father was his football coach growing up in a small town in iowa one of the most wholesome stories but espn is gonna espn and kind of pulled the Catherine <laughs> webb brent musburger kind of situation and just had the camera glued on his uh, on his girlfriend like glued it was after every play i'm like how many times do i gotta see this family give kind of the same reaction and then of course the weird grazing like i don't even know what it is i'm just like this just makes me feel uncomfortable i don't even know how to feel about it but it was basically like i thought it was like the coach's stream the pat mcafee stream i thought it was the jj mccarthy show because that's all they were following that entire game it was insane did y'all think that like, yes, you know, no. Well, I, I was I was making a joke about the finger, but um, that too. That that's that's also what we can talk about. Do you know what I'm talking about, Blake? Yes, the where he's like. That's what I was okay, saying. Good. Like with his was, hand, okay, like doing okay, like the okay, weird like graze, like that, the urban that, that Meyer. Yes, yes. He's doing like the like when the 
the scanner at the airport like beeps on a zipper <laughs> and then gotta like do the backhand. It's the I most think, like yeah, yeah, that's the most uncomfortable whenever you get patted down when they have to go like this. It's like honestly, I'd rather you just like grab me like at this point. Like <laughs> and, and it was so uncomfortable. It was just, like, it was just the girl's phone in her back pocket too. Like it was actually, it was just all of her heart, that hard back of her phone. Cringe. We don't have to talk about it's, that anymore. But whenever weird. you're talking about how weird. close that JJ it's McCarthy so with his family, didn't think we were going there. But yeah, I, it just obviously everything was centered in Michigan. Of course, that's what they had planned for. Yeah. And um, TCU just absolutely slapped them in the face. That first stop on fourth and goal, unbelievable. And then that pick six to take it up um, to seven points. That was so huge for momentum because it felt like TCU controlled that game until the very end whenever there was a little bit uncertainty. Yeah, like we were kind of fortunate there in the end. I think like maybe it's – I don't feel like we do good, well with leads. Like we kind of played down all this year, and I think our offense is built to take shots and not try to like drain clock, get four yards, like – we're trying for the big play, and, like, that's where, we're, like, where lethal is, like, if you're having to defend the big play, like, that's when you can get good runs, not when they're expecting you to run three downs in a row. But, yeah, besides, like, kind of that, uh, besides maybe the fourth quarter, like, even that third quarter, like, it just felt like we were trading haymakers, that, like, every time Michigan would get close, we would get the Quentin Johnston big run, we would get, an, like, another pick six. Like, we kept on just pouring it on them, and it it was just an amazing feeling because it that that truly showed it's like TCU belongs here like the way in which uh, multiple times in that game they had to react to a Michigan team that was starting to get hot and that talent was starting to finally click and then just being able to react every single time like it showed like TCU is way better than people think on the national stage like significantly better because of just how they responded oh absolutely and I, I think for me the biggest thing was the resiliency you know the ability to take those hits and still respond with the, with another haymaker. You know, I, I feel like we've seen teams, you know, get up big and then, you know, the other team storms back and then you fall apart. I I, I can't think of one off the top of my head, perhaps, you know, maybe a, a specific uh, recent example of a team getting a massive lead and then blowing it. Uh, I, I Nothing comes to mind, um, especially not any games in Arlington, Texas, uh, featuring the Tulane Green Wave and, USC Trojans, uh, but anyway, had to go there. I had to. I had. I had to get. I had to get my dig in. You know, because that's the thing is, it's hard to have a big lead, get excited, and then that feeling of oh no, everything's gonna go to hell. And TCU just didn't care. And that was one of the things you brought up in our preview, Blake. Is you know, the pr there's just no pressure. It's house money with the frogs, and you know, I, I think that was very evident in this game because they. They, they just rolled with it. They just kept doing what they do. They didn't try to change the way they play because of the, the circumstances. They just put their foot on the pedal and kept going. And it was, I think that was really admirable. That's a really, yeah. And, and I also think, like, Jameson kind of alluded to it earlier, I don't think it was our best game. Like, I don't think it was, like, we kind of talked about in the preview, like, I thought it was going to have to be more of, like, a god game by everybody to, like, make sure TCU's still in this and win this. But TC played pretty sloppy. And, like, Max Duggan, he was, he was inaccurate. I don't think his, the two interceptions weren't on him. They just weren't on him. They were weird deflections that bounced off It was just a, a bunch of missed yeah. receivers, and like on third down and like second down, like really big time, you know, go, um, downs to go. But it is like the good thing is like 
we can we finally found a way to deal with the blitz like the blitz gave us problems against the first half of texas the blitz gave us a problem against k-state when they're basically blitzing every play but like the good thing is when you have a guy like max duggan that's super mobile like he can still gash you and like that's what gives me a little bit of confidence going into this week is like max still could run like, Max, they were still able to, like, get plays, like, those wide receiver screens. Like, that's how you execute a wide receiver screen, not whatever, like, you hike it, immediately just throw a bullet to him. No, like, he, Max did a great job of luring the defense, luring them the guys in, and then hit a, an open Quentin Johnston. And, like, that's the guy, I think, definitely the MVP of this game. And what I've been telling y'all all season, like, Quentin Johnston is a good deep threat. And we saw that in this game. Like, he caught a huge, like, big-time deep ball. But, like, this guy is so good on the short and in intermediary routes. Like, he's such a yards-after-catch guy. And with his size and his frame and his speed, it's fantastic. Like, it's fantastic to watch. And so, like, that was so good seeing, like, on the national stage, especially seeing that he's probably going to be our player that's getting drafted in the first round. Like, he could do everything, and seeing his ankle be healthy and not just having him as, like, a decoy kind of the Big 12 championship where he was only doing vertical routes and nothing else, like, that was amazing to see. Yeah, I think one thing before we, because I, I feel like we're naturally starting to, to move on into previews, and I have some takes on that, but one thing I did want to touch on, and again, I'm not trying to kick a team or an individual while they're while they're down and i'm not trying to pander to blake or any other frog audience we may have but i really felt like this game specifically what we saw was tcu was just better coached as well i think that was a really really crucial crucial factor in this one i mean the I, I, Blake, do you have any thoughts on, on that? I'm not necessarily trying to, you know, oh, Harbaugh can't win big games or, or whatever else, or is his mind elsewhere. But I just felt like TCU, you know, they, they obviously outplayed him. They outscored him. That's how they won. They obviously wanted it a lot more. You know, they had that hunger, but I feel like going into this from getting the people focused, hyped up and, and well-prepared, I really feel like TCU it's we're just really starting to really put an exclamation point on Sonny Dykes' resume in his first year as a head coach. Yeah, the coaching performance on both sides of the ball were fantastic, and I know it probably doesn't show it as much in the final score just because we're only five, six points uh, wins, but starting out that defense, like that defense really set the pace where in the first half you had them, I believe, twice in their own red zone and both ending in, or not twice, or multiple times, one ending in a fumble, but getting up basically two field goals that entire, like, that entire half, that's an incredible win for a team that I think on all the red zone possessions went out, like, it was like only four times that they didn't get points. So, they really game planned well from a down to down basis. I felt like they put a lot of it. They were just like, we will let JJ McCarthy try to beat us. And I know Sonny Dyke said that going into the game. And JJ McCarthy on some plays had some excellent throws, but really, like, he's not experienced enough yet in those big games where he has to make big throws. And we kind of saw, like, he was a second or two late. He wasn't making the reads properly and kind of forced him if. We got the blitz on him to run. We had him where we wanted him. And so on the defensive side of the ball, I definitely saw that. And then offensive side of the ball, whenever TCU got cold, we were able to game plan ways to get our biggest players involved. I thought uh, the run game and just how we schemed it with Amari DiMercato, like 
this guy set our second string like a very good second string but like my god just completely like completely turns the tide and uh comes in versus like against or sorry comes in and for an injured Kendra Miller, one of our most underrated players, and lights it up. And so I just felt like they were able to always adapt to what Michigan was doing on the defensive side of the ball and didn't let their athleticism bully them. And that's, like, another funny thing about the ESPN broadcast. They were like, oh, like, Amari DiMarcato is just struggling a little bit now that, uh, like, uh, <laughs> now that Kendra Miller went out. And he had, like, over 100 yards at that point. Like, it was just a total just, like, miss of, like, wow. Like, how do you, like, how are you watching this game and not see the impact that this guy's having? But, yes, I thought these guys, those are two coordinators, Riley, Gillespie, they're going to be head coaches in the next two years probably. Like, they're going to get head coaching gigs if not, like, excellent 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 power five uh coordinator positions because they are like two of the best in the business right now well there's rumors going around about garrett riley right now so yeah and like but that's the i always like i was like i worry about them leaving like these guys have been so good but like that's kind of the mark of a good program like you gotta find ways to reload you gotta like have a good coach that can evaluate talent and Sonny Dykes did it the first time, like, found two guys, one that has kind of followed him uh, for a few years, but Joe Gillespie came from Tulsa. Like, many people, like, he just won, probably, he was the, like, his game plan won TCU that game, and he was coaching for Tulsa. Not their head coach, their defensive coordinator last year. Like, that's how good we were at trying to find coaching talent, and so... Yeah, the game plan said it all. Like, we set the pace and just never let Michigan take it back over. It is weird as an Oklahoma fan to hear a fan of another team talk about having two coordinators because it's been, what, six years now since Oklahoma has had both an OC and a DC in addition to a head coach. So We've got one right now. <laughs> We've got one right now. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, we have a figurehead now, yeah, at least. So step there. in the right direction, I guess. But. Laser <laughs> beams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so, Blake, other than the game-winning play, uh, what would you say was probably the moment you freaked out the most? Um, it was probably the Quentin Johnson run. Like that was just so electric. Like just seeing the little hezy hay. Like it was just the slightest of stutter steps that just like like got the Michigan defender all wobbly, and then he just like turns on the speed. Like that was like those big plays. Those the pick sixes, of course. Like whenever like a pick six happened, especially in like those big moments, you're just going bananas because you don't expect. You like it's the one thing you don't really expect. Uh, so like I would say those two. I, like, the thing was, like, I was just so nervous the entire game. Like, I thought, like, they were going to come back. I was like, we were the comeback kids this entire time, and now Michigan's going to do it to us. But, <laughs> but seeing in hindsight, I think we set the pace so well. Like, it was just, oh, it was magical. It was magical. It was just like, I, I wish, I wish... ESPN would have captured more of the TCU responses so I could kind of relive that feeling and like see the reactions on other people's face but I don't get to do that but it's just like oh my gosh it was it it was just like an emotional explosion the entire time <laughs> for sure I, I I mean I can only imagine that I bet it was incredible I yeah, think... how are you feeling going into the national championship? Honestly, just I'm sorry, Ty. Do you got anything left? You got notes? No, I, w- I was going to say, uh, Blake, I think we use a cooking analogy here. I think it seems that Bobby and Jameson and I are all on the same page here. I think we've let you marinate in this happiness and this, this joy of victory. 
and getting a trophy for this team. That was one of your concerns is, oh, if we lose the playoff, we're, we're not going to have a trophy for this team. But we've, we've let you marinate in this happiness. And I think it's about time we we put you on the heat and, and start cooking. So one thing that I see really going into this national championship game is Max Duggan is that offense. Not to diminish anyone else, but he runs a lot. He throws a lot, obviously, and he takes a lot of hits. He gets dinged up. And not to diminish Michigan or anyone else that TCU has played so far, but they ain't played the Georgia Bulldogs on defense. So I think to lead into this national championship stuff we're about to talk about, how concerned are you that the Bulldogs are going to go out there and just put some hits on Duggan and have TCU on their back foot as soon as they touch the field? Yeah, if you would have asked me that a week or two ago, I would have been very worried just because the Georgia I think of is the Georgia that dominated last year, where it's just like their defense was so suffocating that you could barely put up 13 points. But seeing the final score and also seeing the impact CJ Stroud was able to have on that game kind of puts me at ease a little bit more. I'm not saying like CJ Stroud is obviously a better talent, has a better arm, probably faster, better runner. But Max Duggan can fill a similar role, and I think Georgia did not play enough of these running quarterbacks this year to be able to defend against, like, kind of a dual, like, kind of triple threat, because you have the run, run from the running back, run from the quarterback whenever things fall apart in the pass play, and then the big play pass, and so... I don't, I'm nervous, I guess, about the pressure, just because we saw Michigan put a lot of pressure. I'm not as worried about the secondary. I think TCU can get some big plays on that secondary. They just have to buy Max enough time to step up in the pocket and make those throws, which last week was hit or miss, but when Max needed to make the big throws, he was able to. So, in short, I feel better. Like, this team's obviously going to be significantly more talented than Georgia, but I think they are vulnerable enough in the secondary that TCU can get some of the big shots that we've seen all year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised at all if, you know, the, you know, the script that you had versus Michigan is going to flip. It's not likely that you're going to be going out there and getting big stops on fourth down again and getting a pick six. Like, TCU has came from behind in many games, and this is going to be a tough game. Obviously, 12.5-point favorite. Can y'all be scrappy enough in between and kind of get one, you know, the way that you did versus Baylor and all of these other games this season, like a Texas? Um, I think the biggest thing for me, we can talk about Max Duggan, we can talk about the passing attack, but like a healthy Kendra Miller is probably one of the biggest things for me. Because that guy is so underrated. And whenever y'all's offense had him, there was a little bit, you know, obviously y'all were doing still decent without him. But I could tell, like, you lost a significant dimension of your offense without Kendra Miller. And with kind of that little knee sprain that he has, hopefully the week and a half that he has to rest will be enough. Yeah, like, that definitely is worrisome. Because you could tell uh, DeMarcado, kind of by the end of the game, he was gassed like he had to do especially when Michigan's bringing the blitz every time you're passing like he's basically has to be another another offensive lineman with in the pass block and then was ripping off big runs so it does worry me because I think our running game this year has been so effective because we kind of had a little two-headed monster that we can get a little bit of change of pace that we can give Kendra Miller a rest because if you look at Kendra Miller's stats like they're excellent and he has significantly less carries against 
your Blake Corums of the world that were really the workhorse running backs. Like, he's been a workhorse in the sense of how many touchdowns and yards he's produced, but we've been able to give him a lot of downs off, which we kind of need for a Georgia defense that's going to, they're going to send the heat on us. And Kendra Miller is a great pass blocker too. It worries me, but there's also on the other side, like there's two, I think, big injuries in this game. One being Kendra Miller, the other being Darnell Washington. And Stetson Bennett's also a little bit hobbled too, that he was playing through an injury. But I I think Darnell Washington is big. And I know it's not their first, uh, like they're not their tight end one, but the Georgia offense is so lethal because they could run these two tight end sets with two like elite pass catching tight ends. And like, if you talk about situational matchups, I'm worried about, I think our linebackers have been fantastic this year, but there's a difference between being fantastic and having to guard, like basically what was Gronk Aaron Hernandez of like college football. Like they can create so much over the middle with so much athleticism that if it like means Kendra Miller's out, like if Darnell Washington is also out, I would probably take that just because, like, wow. we're already gonna have we're we already have so we're gonna have so many problems with Brock Bowers. We can't give him another weapon in order to just gash us. Like, I would rather hmm. take Stetson Bennett with the receivers than those two tight ends that could just basically do anything. They're so like they're so freaky athletic. Yeah, and I mean that's that's a hard thing to game plan against because you don't encounter that in college football. You know, like. It's so hard to have the depth where you can have two guys who could really cook like that. I, the, I'm thinking like, I don't know, Cal, when when Cal like Calcaterra's freshman year, him and Andrews like that kind of was a thing. That's, that's the closest thing we can think like, of, and that's not even close. close. That's what I'm saying is like it's rare enough that you can even get two tight ends that can produce, let alone two ones that can absolutely kill you. Yeah, and yeah, so that's what I'm just Dar- Darnell Washington is not the same thing as freshman Grant Calcaterra. If we're making that comparison. I, 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 I'm, I, I, saying, I, I, I'm saying you're not doing a one-to-one, but I, I don't even think you can even bring up that as a comparison because it just it just was not that. I think the Aaron Hernandez-Gronk thing is about as close as you can get. I, I agree. I was just saying it's rare that you can even get two guys that can really do what they do. Um, and you're right. It, yeah, Calcaterra obviously far far away from that but you know it, it just in, in terms of like it's hard to even get to like titans that can actually catch balls and perform like you can put them out there and they'll they'll actually do well um so no I, i'm with you i think it's going to be um yeah that's going to be be brutal because again those wide receivers are also insanely good uh absolute burners um we've we saw it against uh ohio state who keep in mind has really, it's pretty solid. You know, that is a solid defense, and they torched them. Um, and I think that that's obviously a concern as well. Um, but it's 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 a tall task. But look, Bobby just Ed, wants a segment to talk about Lad McConkey. I Lad McConkey. I, I hope he's doing okay. I think he got hurt. Lad McConkey, best name in football. Well, maybe not best name in football, but the best name with the best production at the same time somehow. But anyways, um, I do want to talk about, we kind of talked about this with Michigan. Are you, I feel like Georgia is not going to overlook TCU at all. Like there's no, no, no I, I don't that think is out the window. 
Yeah, and even I, if they thought it before, they're not thinking it now. Like, after no. that game. And Kirby Smart's, like, a fantastic coach that he's not going to let them. Like, they're not... Although Georgia had an excellent team last year, like, they're not at the level of, like, they... Like, the Alabama, like, they could just, like, show up and roll people. Like, they have to still put together good performances to, like, start this dynasty. They're going to roll into this like it's Missouri. I hope so. Yes, I would love them to roll into this like Missouri. Get that like give us a chance at the end because that's all I can really ask for in this game is like give us a chance to at the end to win this because I don't think we're gonna see a repeat of last year or, or last week for sure. I don't think we're gonna get that hot on defense. Like two pick sixes aren't flying through the window again. You're not gonna get some of those big special teams plays probably as much. But, like, we, Bobby and I talked about uh, when we previewed uh, the semifinal games, I think the advantage of TCU just plays so many different styles. Like, they've won in so many different ways. They've game-planned in so many different ways. Like, teams like Michigan, Georgia, even Ohio State, like, they have very definable identities and ways they want to run it, run their offense. And they're able to because they have freak athletes that – basically like you kind of have to bend to their will and tcu is like a flex like it's a swiss army knife when it comes to how it does things which we've seen like has been to our benefit we're able to catch teams off guard in the beginning of the games and we're also able to adapt we've seen like baylor we've seen uh osu we saw k-state like come in in the second half and still keep ourselves in it and I even think, like, this past week, I think the offense clicked a lot better in the second half than it did in the first half. So yeah. it does make me excited to watch this game just because, like, going into it, I never know what TCU is going to throw out there. Like, I don't know the ways in which they're going to try to win just because they kind of have to keep you on their toes due to the lack of talent. And so, like, that's what I'm excited for. I'm excited to see a style in Georgia that is just so dominating, and I know exactly what it is, but what the what the hell is TCU going to do to try to stop it and like that's gonna be a like fun i'm hoping a fun ass game to watch because i don't i do not want the blowout i would be very dis i would be very sad and disappointed if it's a blowout that's a pretty bad way to end the season i i know firsthand getting blown out of a championship and a point spread Ugh. i just if it if it's like if georgia covers that's just a sad game it's yeah in like the spread like the reason why it's so high is vegas has to take into account the talent discrepancy and like i think that's why tcu is also a really good team against the spread is because they play they significantly punch above their weight week on, to, on a week-to-week -week basis that they're hard to handicap like they were still whenever things opened in uh glendale we were ten and a half point dog it got bet down pretty quickly because everybody was all over the frogs and even this one i think it opened at 13 and a half bet down a point for the national championship game like there is steam and i think people do realize like the frogs the frogs can keep it close like there is a way for us to keep it close but it's gonna be hard but also at the same time like i'm glad we're getting georgia now with one week's prep versus kirby smart having four weeks to prep against us like i think that also helps a little bit uh but wish we had the time to heal kendra miller though <laughs> that would be nice for sure yeah it's always scary going into a national championship game, knowing that you're facing a coach who made a cameo in the blind side. <laughs> um, I, so I have, a, I have a question sort of about TCU, just general atmosphere, but uh, Blake, I wanted to ask uh, sort of in short, what do you think Georgia's cause you're the TCU expert, right? And, and we want to keep it a little bit, maybe a little more balanced, but I, I want to hear from you. What do you think 
if if you're Georgia and you got to beat this TCU team, you talked about the uncertainty. Well, you didn't specifically say the uncertainty of planning against TCU, but you talked about the versatility of what this TCU t- team can present to you and the scrappiness, how you can never count them out and all these other things that we've talked about. If you are Kirby Smart, if you are on the Georgia staff, what is your game plan uh, just sort of in short to beat this TCU team? I think on the defensive side of the ball, you're dialing up pressure immediately. I think Michigan kind of took too long to realize that. And in the second half, they're like, oh, if we put pressure on it, like good things can happen. I think Kirby Smart comes out is really, really physical, bringing a lot of blitzes. And that's not really Georgia's game just because they have superior athletes. But you, if you're Kirby Smart, you got to trust that your corners and some of your other guys can play man zone really well. Like that can cover and just hope you can get to Max Duggan. Because when Max Duggan is pressured, he, like, good things can come from it, but also very bad things. Like, if they're just so overwhelming us that Max can't even find ways to step up in the pocket or bounce on the outside, like, we're screwed. We saw it against Texas, and Texas did a fantastic job, just bullied us, and just, like, we could not game plan it correctly enough. And, like, we were thankful that our defense showed up and we were able to stop them, but... You want to put TCU in a hole early like that, especially with your Georgia, because I think this is the team that you're not going to come back against, like one of these big second-half ones. So defense of the side, I think, dial up the pressure. Trust that your secondary can cover the guys. Uh, who knows? We saw last week that might not be the best plan. but uh, And then on the offensive side, get the tight ends involved. I think TCU has proven time and time again we can stop the run. We're not afraid to stop the run. We stopped Donovan Edwards, who injured but still a good running back Bijan robinson held him to only 30 yards deuce vaughn was the only one that kind of really shredded us and so we're able to stop the run so just get your tight ends if you have both if not one just get brock bowers involved early make those linebackers really have to cover and so tcu can basically not have to put any pressure on you and you get just clean pockets and Stetson Bennett just waiting for a guy to get open because like if we're having to dedicate our linebackers or safeties everybody to try to cover Brock Bowers along the middle and Stetson Bennett has time like he's not a slouch like he can make plays with his feet with his arm like good things can happen if they do that yeah and as mentioned when we were talking about the Ohio State Georgia game Bennett is such a great big game player he's been here before he's won a natty he is I feel like there is some comfort there for for Georgia, but I will say as well, like TCU, I don't think will be faced too much by it. I, I haven't they haven't shown any I don't know fear yet. I might change for this, who knows? But I, my bet is uh, that's not happening. No, I think this team truly believes like. They knew, and I think that's, like, kind of the difference. Like, everybody keeps on talking how we're, like, a Cinderella, and we kind of are. Like, we are in the sense, like, preseason expectations were low, and we we did that, like, we did this. Like, we're in the national championship, but, like, TCU as a program as a whole, like, in the last close, like, 13, 14, 15 years, like, had a chance to possibly play for the national championship three times like it was that close and so i think the good thing is there's kind of that mentality in our program that like even though people don't haven't seen our name and logo out there all too often we have been close it's just you're not following the sport close enough that we had a team in the 2010 2011 rose bowl that was third in the nation and like probably like you're not going to put them in like the first go round but then the 2014 uh fiasco and uh, how that laid out, and then this year, like we've had quality teams 
we don't we don't shy away from the moment and like that's what makes me feel good is that our history has been we've been kind of shunned not thought about but whenever we've played those bowl games we didn't just like be like oh this is a letdown oh like we were meant to be in the national championship like we're not going to show up like if we won that rose bowl we destroyed Ole Miss in that uh, peach bowl and we out physicaled and outplayed a really good Michigan squad, like a really, really good Michigan squad. Uh, and so I'm not worried about TCU just like flopping over and just feeling like the moment's too big to um, for them just because I've seen our program time and time again show up in these moments and really show out. Yeah, what do you think? High scoring, low scoring, you know, back and forth, uh, game of runs, like call your shot right now. Uh, because I think TCU's going to win, it has to be high scoring. Like, you're not winning a game where it's in the 20s. Like, that means Georgia's just kind of dominating you. Like, if Georgia scores 28 points type thing, and, like, if, like the, you're, yeah. Like, if you're playing that defensive battle, you're screwed. Like, I think you're just screwed against a Georgia team that's really experienced, have done this before. Like, you kind of need the third quarter of the Fiesta Bowl to open up a little bit, that you're just taking big shots, hoping hoping big mistakes or big plays are going to happen, just because, like, I don't trust our offense enough on, like, a down-to-down basis to be super methodical on drives. Like, we need the big shots. So we need high scoring. We need it to open up, and we just kind of need Georgia's secondary to always feel like they're on their heels. I don't think we so will. A, T- I don't a think... TCU win is what you're saying. Oh yeah, there's no there's no way. Like after seeing after seeing what <laughs> happened in Michigan, there's no way I'm just like, oh Georgia's gonna win this. Like, no, like they TCU stunned me in the way that they played. There is no way in hell I'm choosing Georgia in this game. It's gonna be, that would be uh, it's gonna be TCU money line all the it's, way. Like it's I'm got not it. it's you can't got it. Like, tries. <laughs> so. A surprise pick by Blake. No one would have guessed that he would be TCU. <laughs> To win shock. this one. Shocking turn of events. Yeah. I just like I truly am thankful to like see that Georgia can struggle. Like that is really nice that even in a big game, they can struggle and they can allow like their defense could be porous. Because I think as a Big Twelve team, that's what you always worry about. It's not necessarily like I think your offenses can match up pretty nicely again or like off or like your defense to their offense like pretty well for an SEC offense, but you worry about just the defense being way too physical and just like plows you over and i think although i'm scared of georgia up front i'm just not scared of them in the secondary so if we can get some quick routes some big plays like we have we have a lot of playmakers like we it's sneaky because max duggan is the one who gets all the praise and rightfully so like he's been the leader of this team but we got plenty like plenty of weapons on the offensive end that we can do that we can use in order to get yards yeah, no, I, I I think TCU does have the weapons to keep this close. I don't know if they win, but I think it's going to be a really interesting game. And I, I will say overall, I think TCU's run has definitively, if there was any question, has definitively like hammered home that the playoff was a good idea and moving on from the DCS, like where it's just a two team like national title, bad idea. Because this this run has been truly special and you know if we still have two teams, just like this, this would be a TCU team that ends up in a New Year's Six slash BCS Bowl and is just kind of there. Uh, but um, I think it's truly special what's going on. It's it's one of the greatest sport. It's one of the greatest stories in college uh, sports history. What they've done from '96 to now, uh, left out in the cold uh, after the Southwest Conference uh, dissolved, and then just just that that long build up back. 
through the you know the whack era and all that um, to this is just really really remarkable. Yeah, it it truly is. Like just even being a little retrospective this week, it's just this is something that is surprising yet unsurprising at the same time. Like this is what we were always building towards. How it's surprising is I didn't expect it to be without Gary Patterson. I didn't expect it to look look this good and this quick and it's that's the stunning part uh in the part that i just can't believe the fact like this small school nine thousand kids is playing in the national championship always one of my favorite chirps from all the opposing fan bases like georgia's doing it a little bit to us michigan did it to us like so small like t stadium tidy thirty six thousand. it's like well we just beat the team with the biggest stadium in all of america so it's like i we're we're not we're not scared of that this is going to be big for the brand, like big recruiting. And not just that, I think it's big for the school. It's like for a little TCU history lesson, whenever we won the Rose Bowl back in 2010, 2011, we saw a big boom of California kids come to Texas. Maybe the original don't California my Texas, but <laughs> it uh, our student population then became about 30% kids from Southern California. And now they're expecting, I think usually we get like maybe 25,000 applications uh, for our school, maybe. Maybe we're expecting over 50 this year just from this success in the national stage and the brand awareness that we're getting from this. Like, this is huge for our school. It's huge for wow. our recruiting classes. It's Crazy. huge for our, like, it's, this is massive. Like, it's the same reason why people from all over the country go to Alabama. It's, like, the same reason why, like, they do it to OU. They do it to Georgia. Like, they want to see good programs play. And, like, this is just, TCU could be building that in the new Big 12 that, I think really advantages them that might we might see one of these again maybe i mean a, a, a tcu championship would be just earth shattering i think for the state of college football and the state of texas in college football it it changes the game entirely i think i i, I don't think I, I think the run in general has mixed things up i think it's very clear to me that tcu is the best program in texas right now um, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like what the national media think of Texas and Texas A&M is really what TCU has been yeah. in the last 15 years. Yeah. Like but it, they've been the premier Texas program, but they'd get none of the hype. No, but I, th I think what Bobby's saying is, is TCU could, they could beat the Texans for sure. But like, I think that, <laughs> I think they could give the Cowboys a run for them. Oh. If they played the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, TCU would win that game. So I, I do think TCU, I would say in TCU definitely, if they played the Cowboys would have the coaching advantage. I 100% believe that. So oh, man, <laughs> oh, what if Sonny Dykes went to, you know, go uh, replace Mike McCarthy. Like you get, you get Mike McCarthy gone, <sighs> but now, but now, but now the savior of your program is with the that's, Cowboys. That's a great, like honestly, that'd be, that'd think, be a really good thing because he knows Sonny Dykes is going to, going to leave eventually. You I don't know. know. See, but I thought about that. Like, we mm. thought Gary Patterson was going to leave for the longest time, and he just never did. Oh, like, there's God. something about giving those guys the shot. And, like, TCU can pay not as good as some of the big public universities, but, like, pretty dang close. And your job security, like, as we saw the last time, you got a lot of job security. You got to, like, really royally, like, mess mm. it up in order to get filed, fired. It's like, going to be... Like it's Gary gonna Patterson, be rough for you. Oh, we just did the Geico commercial, didn't we? We totally <laughs> did the Geico commercial. Uh, Gary, Gary Patterson's—that was his only head coaching job, right? Yep. So 
Maybe a little like bit. It, it's gonna be it's gonna be rough when Sonny Dykes is on that G650 to Gainesville, Florida, in a couple oh, of years. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> no, that's funny. Yeah, you no, know what? I, I have a closing. I have a closing thought before I turn it over to you guys because I think we're wrapping up. Yes. I have heard some people say, as Blake said, some people are calling TCU a Cinderella story. Those people are not familiar with this TCU team. And frankly, I don't know that they're all that familiar with the story of Cinderella. What was Cinderella, right? She was the the stepsister or whatever. She washed floors for a living. That's what she did. And then she used magic to reach a better life, to become a Mary the Prince, become a princess or whatever, right? Cinderella is about having a job where you do hard work and you use magic to escape it. That (laughs) is not this TCU team. This TCU team does not shy from hard work. They do not use magic to get where they've got. They do the hard work. This TCU team is the American dream. Any red-blooded American should be rooting for this TCU team. They're playing against the defending national champs. Okay, you're not, you know, oh, Georgia, poor Georgia. Nothing ever good happens in Georgia. Probably true. Uh, I don't necessarily <laughs> like Georgia, but they're, de- they're the defending national champs from the SEC. TCU did this. They did the hard work. They said, put us in the hardest positions that we can. We'll take anyone you put on our schedule. We will face them. We will defeat them. We will put in the work in practice. We will put in the work in the film room. We will put in the work in the weight room. It does not matter how many stars are on our recruiting profiles. We will use the talent that we have. We will put 100% effort by 100% of the players Every time we go out there, we might throw some interceptions. We might, you know, take some big hits. We might get knocked around. They might have a better game plan. We are going to do the hard work. And they went and they did the hard. They said, oh, we're a small school. We're not a blue blood. We're not from a major conference. TCU shouldn't be here. TCU shouldn't be in the Big 12 championship. TCU shouldn't be in the playoff. They did the hard work. They shut out the haters and they said, we're going to do the hard work, and we're going to work and earn our way to where we know that we belong. And that is what they did. It's not a Cinderella story at all. There's no shirking out of hard work, using magic to get wherever you're trying to go, magical slippers or whatever else. TCU said, I know I want to be in that castle like Cinderella. I'm going to get a job washing the floors in the castle, and I'm going to work my way up. And eventually, I'm going to own that castle. That is what TCU is doing. Are they going to win? No, I think the dogs cover this one easy. But <laughs> TCU, they are not a Cinderella story. Any red-blooded American should be rooting for them, not because they're the underdog, but because they put in the work to get where they wanted to be. And it is so refreshing in college football nowadays to see that. Absolutely. Yeah, I guess that, is that, it me? That, that's or a what? great way to. That's a great way to. Cut I know. It. I, yeah, I, I, was... I'm. Ex- I'm excited for this game. You I got me fired up. I wish you wouldn't have said dogs are gonna roll, but I liked the other parts. Oh, <laughs> wait. The only, the only thing more American, right, than than rooting for the hardworking guy is just following the money. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta follow the money. <laughs> like the you dogs. got, you gotta, you gotta be on both uh, sides. Right, I'll be guys? cheering for the frogs the whole way. But I'm, what's, I'm what's not the Mac quote? On this, but. What's the Mac quote where it's like you're on the fence, so you never lose? Or what? How, you got? Or no, it. I'm you playing both sides, so I always oh, come out on top. Yes, yes, yes. No, that's, yes. I'm, I'm fully emotionally invested in TCU, but uh, I just wanted to throw my pick out there. Right on the pick 'em, I pick Georgia. 
I think if I were to put money on this, which I'm not, full disclosure, if I were, I would use DraftKings promo code TPPN. Damn right. And I would put it on the dogs if I had to. But uh, I don't have to because I live in America, a free country where you can work hard, and I choose not to to use my hard-earned money on betting on this game. Okay, that's fair. Uh, Jameson, your pick. Um, I unfortunately think George is going to cover – um, I just the Kendra Miller injury with it being a knee sprain, the way it looked like, you know, he's not going to be 100% if he's playing. It just worries me too much that if you don't get up big coming from behind with, with this Georgia team is exceptionally tough. I still think it's going to be an entertaining game. I just think Georgia wins by a couple touchdowns. I like TCU to cover. I think they do enough to keep it close, but I think they lose. Uh, I think Georgia's just too much, frankly. But look, I was wrong last week with Michigan, so you know who knows. But um, no, I, I don't know. I, I think I think TCU can give them a really good game, potentially pull out a win. We'll see how it goes. But I, I'm looking forward. I think this might be one of the best, better national championship games we've ever seen. I'm, I'm very excited to watch it. But um, Blake. I'm so excited for you to get get this moment. It's going to be so cool. But I got to ask, are you prepared for grown men to bark at you? I thought about that. I don't think I am, but I kind of am. Like, I I hope, like, somebody has to bark at me at some point while I'm there. Like, I hope that's not just something I've heard heard on the myths. I hope he, I got barked at in my See, face. That's, see, that's what I want. Like, I don't want, like, I feel like the problem is, like, TCU is, like, not seen as intimidating, so their fans don't feel like they're just kind of, like, stay back. Like, Michigan fans are so nice. Like, they just, like, really weren't up in my face. Like, I was in, like, full blue, and they get onto you, maze, yellow, maze, maze. <laughs> like, I saw a tweet that, like, a Michigan fan was, like, yelling at the, like, rental car lady for, like, calling <laughs> it blue and yellow. So, I guess it's maze, but maze. <laughs> it's... <laughs> But yes, like I just, it always worries me. Like TCU's just kind of like it's such a good feel good story. It's like you're not gonna bark or like you're not gonna like really trash the St. Peter's fans last year at the NCAA tournament. Like that just feels a little wrong. But I don't want that. I want the barking. I want to get barked at the entire time. I'm not in a Georgia section. This <laughs> this to go around. I'm with the frogs. But in the concourse, I want a grown man barking in my face. <laughs> okay, then you you got it. You got to start doing some. Um, some riff ram Tim in his face. If you want to get a little bit back, you got to push it forward. So you got to be confident whenever you come into that stadium. Oh, I will. Like I, I came in with confidence last time. I was not timid for the moment. I am so ready for this. I might die. Like I might die if we <laughs> win this game. Like I went into like full blown like blackout shock, and that was a semifinal game. And like I had a few drinks, but like really wasn't drinking that much during the game, just because I was so focused on the actual game itself. So it was like kind of solely just my body. So I don't know what will happen. Like if if on the off chance DC wins this game, like I don't like I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't. I have no idea. I just. I cannot wait to see if TCU wins what that what that like acid trip like crazy uh, like I don't I don't even know what to call it the little video they post after every win that the national championship winning version of that is going to be so off the rails I can I really need it 
It, I, I need everything. I need everything. Like, now that I'm here, it's not just like, oh, we've had a great season. I want this. Like, this was my, kind of really my one team that I support that I never felt super confident would ever win a national championship, like, or even be in a national championship in my lifetime. Like, it, it is just the most improbable of the teams I root for, and it's the team I root for the hardest. So, the fact that we are here, I need everything. I want, the Frog fans are going to be out. Like, it's going to be a great... Uh, Darren Rovell won't say it, but there's going to be plenty of TCU fans there, trust me. Like, people are scrambling anything just to get their hands on uh, on these tickets. That's not an issue for our fan base. Like, we're going to show out, be loud, and I think it's just going to be... I think I, I cross my fingers. I think this is going to be an excellent game. It's just going to be a clash of styles, make fights type of, type of game, and I'm ready to see it in action. For sure. I hope, hoping y'all can get revenge on, on Georgia for us. So. Yeah. yeah. The, I, you know what? Uh, and a sneaky gonna, revenge game. The what is the it? Liberty the Liberty Bowl in 2016. <laughs> we lost to Georgia, so revenge angle. I'm Sorry, changing God. my pick to the frogs. I, I can't Yay. go against the frogs. Everything I said, I I'm emotionally invested in them. I'm not putting money on it. I have no reason. You would to, feel to like a mercenary the supporting the dogs. You would just not feel like even. you're doing it. I would it just because... feel see I'm a I'm a known hater in college football, but I have I have to get something out of it, right? I have to I, and it's not that I feel bad for like kicking the frogs while they're down. Like I'm a known group of five hater. I, I love to kick teams while they're down. Oklahoma State, I'm coming for you. But uh, <laughs> OU, I, you know, OU is a perfect example of that. Biggest OU hater right here. But uh, yeah, I got, I got, I've, I've been on the frog train uh, for many reasons. Blake and I are going to do an off-season pod where we just discuss uh, all the fans that TCU has gained. He talked about student applications. I. Uh, unfortunately the term t-shirt fans applies but uh, people who did not go to the school but just become fans I think TCU that DFW Big 12 team it's no matter how this game goes they've gained a lot of fans this year I think in DFW and that is really going to help them because ticket sales merchandise sales all that that is really that's what gets your program going that's that's the nitrous in your fuel to just really get revved up so I think how just how unique TCU is, you know, the whole hypno toad thing. And, you know, they just have such a unique, fun culture. You know, I feel like so much college football is so it can be a little stodgy in some ways, you know, like super old traditions and all this. And (laughs) TCU, like they're just fun and new. And but also with like with history, you know, slinging Sammy Baugh and, you know, Davey O'Brien, like it's this really cool mix. And I think that's, I think that's pretty admirable about it, but, um. uh, final hypothetical or not really hypothetical. Just, I want to hear y'all's thoughts on this. So who's feeling worse right now, Gary Patterson, SMU fans who lost their head coach and immediately <laughs> took their rival to a national championship or Baylor fans who had their best season in their history with the Sugar Bowl win and then their rival ups like shows them up the next year and they have to play in a bowl game in their stadium that they lose really bad in the worst weather <laughs> possible and oh, just got God. embarrassed by Air Force. Who's feeling I'm sure worse? There's right a little now. bit of jealousy between Gary Patterson, but at the same time, I feel like he'd be really proud and happy for a lot of the players that he recruited. So I feel like there's a lot of happiness and being like a proud, almost like father figure that he like recruited and brought him into the program. And now that they're almost to their dream. 
I, I I also think we have to eliminate Patterson because it, everything I've seen seems like he really still has a lot of investment in TCU, really cares about it. Uh, there's that clip after uh, after they beat OU in, um, in Red River where he walks over to a staffer and is like, what's the TCU score? Uh, so like he like right after they just beat their rival, you know, they're supposed to be celebrating and he's, he's, he's interested in TCU still. He tweeted out support. So I, I would eliminate Patterson. I'll also go ahead and eliminate SMU because – I think you would have to be truly delusional as an SMU fan, and I'm sure there are some. That, oh, there! Get... Oh, there are plenty of examples. <laughs> Sonny Dykes was a bad coach, according to the, all the SMU fans, and they were going to the Pac-12 and see you later, TCU. <laughs> have fun in the G5 because that's the oh, only place you're going. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think there are that many rational SMU fans who ever thought they were going to be in this position or even close to it, uh, especially where they are. Um, it's got to be Baylor. Like Baylor was supposed to be this team, the small Texas team who makes this run and do does all this and you know becomes like the like the the third team in Texas essentially. TCU just completely usurped them. Um and I think that's just that's just chef's kiss, beautiful. And especially Baylor's because giving them that work right now in college basketball, though. Yeah, that's, I knew <laughs> that was going to happen. Ugh. Jim, Di- some things still have to remain the same. We could have a run here, but Jim Dixon is still Jim Dixon. That's all I got to say. <laughs> hey, to be determined, um, oh, stay tuned. Um, I'm going back to the 2022 Big 12 football predictions where Blake absolutely roasted me for pitting TCU at number four in the Big 12. So stay tuned. Oh yeah, it was bad. I was six and six. I was like six and six is a great year this year, like a fantastic yeah. year. I was like, I would be, on. I would be happy for that Texas Bowl in a soulless Houston <laughs> NFL stadium. Like I would love that. No. NRG. <laughs> Ugh, that's funny. All right. Well, I think this is uh, I think this is the podcast. This is the last college football game we're talking about this season. What what a run! Um, all the way back to you know our week zero picks doing all of our conference predictions. It's been, you know, on, honestly our best season yet. Um, we've just, I've just truly loved doing this with all y'all making the picks and um, it, it obviously I wish you did better, but look, the, the fact that the frogs are in the title, it's a really cool ending to, to a season. And I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how, how this final chapter is written uh, and Blake just, uh, I think I can speak for everyone here. Just the best of luck and, you know, congratulations on the journey, but the, but you know, there's more to be done. So hopefully, hopefully TCU brings home a title, uh, title to the, to the, to, to the pod slash the, uh, the shield, I guess. So <laughs> shield, shield pod. needs one. <laughs> the the we'll shield needs one. The shield, this one's for the shield. Ugh, good stuff. All right. That has been the weekend spread uh, season. I think this was season five. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, season five finale. Well, yeah. Well, thank y'all so much for listening all the way through. That's, oh, nope. Delete. delete. <laughs> that is Blake. That is, that is definitely not Blake doing a crime. <laughs> uh, yes. No, that's a fifty. That's a $50,000 fine right there. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> you're just donating to the shield, so. You know, Ty's trying to get those trespassing charges against me, so I can't leave the state. <laughs> Incredible, but look, that's been the season. So we'll be back to talk about whatever happens in this game, either pure elation or uh, a probably a Big Twelve basketball preview. But um, anyways, 
For me, Jameson, Ty, and Boat and Blake, this has been the Weekend Spread. Thank you all so much for listening this entire season. We'll see ya when we see ya. Good luck out there.